This is the Your Sports Resource Podcast, where each week you'll learn actionable strategies that you can implement so the operations of your club support your coaching staff and the direction of your organization. We are committed to excellence in youth sports leadership. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome everybody to the Your Sports Resource Podcast. My name's Renata Porter, and we have Matt Boz with us today. And we thought for the very first episode for 2024, can't believe we're almost in the middle of 2024, that we are going to talk about, I want to revisit the uh, coaches and uh, swim staff pay salary that we conducted September, October timeframe. And then we turned around and handed those results out, or was it October, November? And then we handed those results out in December. And I wanted to just kind of have a discussion about what we found out and then give a bit of direction to clubs on, you know, how your the the actual package employment package, you know, pay and benefits, how that is a big picture in recruiting and retaining quality coaches. There's a lot of coach, there's a lot of clubs out there that have high turnover and part of it is culture. I think culture is a big piece of it, right? But also the actual uh, employment package is a big, is a big part of that. And I think it's part of the reason why we'll get into it, why we have so many coaches that are leaving the industry. So, so what I thought I would do is let's just kind of look at the full-time coaches. So when I was looking at the stats for the head coaches, the head age group coach, and even the assistant or the associate coaches, you know, the pay was really kind of low. And then the bulk of them do not have benefits. So the one thing that we learned is that when I just look at the head coach in general, the pay is not, um, it's not overly disappointing when you just look at it on the surface and feel like they're working, you know, normal and regular hours. But If you think about the amount of time that they actually put in, and what I tried to do is canvas. I followed up because we didn't ask the question in the the survey, but we've got it added to next year's survey or this year's survey. Um, In that, okay, if you had to estimate an average, because I know some weeks are horrible and some weeks aren't as much. If you had to average your amount of hours that you work on an average week, I think they came out to be around 60 hours a week. Okay. And we feel like still that's probably a low number given from the fact that, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of things we'll go into today, but there's a lot of other things in there that really brings your hourly rate down to $19 an hour. So Again, I guess on the surface, you could say that's not horrible, but, you know, they're giving up their prime family time, you know, so the hours that they work on deck are typically during prime family time. They miss breakfast, they miss dinner with their family, right? And, you know, I mean, not to be rude, but dang, they could go to McDonald's and make more than $19 an hour and not have to deal with emotional parents and children and board members who, you know, have their own agendas. 
What do you what do you what do you think about that hourly rate? Am I am I or even the hours that they're working? Am I am I undershooting sixty a week? You think? Depends on the week, right? I mean, there's going to be those stretches in between seasons where yeah. you're, you know, like you're planning, and that's not, you know, an hour or two. Like you know, that may be not sixty hours a week, but that could still be thirty or forty hours a week. And then you know, the flip side of it is you get into these longer championship stretches and you're you're out there i mean i don't even think you want to add it up some of those weekends right or weeks yeah. as a coach you're you're like i'm spent 80 hours you know uh working yeah. this week so i think you know if you average it all out it's 50 or 60 um and i think like what you said you know when when you're looking at this you have to kind of look at the big picture of everything that the coach is doing and then when you want to take that that compensation, it's like, look at the total, the total compensation package, right? Where yeah. you're exactly right. It may be the average is, you know, $60,000 a year. But then if you aren't getting insurance and you aren't, ha you know, you don't have all those benefits, that that's really not $60,000, right? Like you're, no. you're starting to knock all those other things down. So, you know, it is, it is tough and it is tough during those times because you're not, you know, you're you're not working at a time that's conducive to to family, like you said, and you right. you want to get involved with your own kids, and so those factors I think do all kind of come into play. Um, and then it really comes back to if you're a club, what do you want out of your coach, right? Like, there's coaches yeah. that can show up and just do the minimum, um, but that's not what most people want. They want somebody who is engaged and is is being proactive and trying to learn and do different things. So yeah, they're, they're going to be working a lot of hours each week for sure. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a big misconception from board members and even, you know, coach owned teams, even though those coaches really truly probably understand better than anybody. But like when you think about the amount of hours that they're spending, I mean, it's not in, and I don't want to say stress, but the amount of relationship management that they have to go through, right? So, I mean, it's not just the time that they spend on deck and the time that they do planning. It's all the, uh, I don't know, meet entry work. There's um, parent conversations. There's board conversations. And then if you've got a discord between parents or you have a discord between the board, that's just like elevates the stress level to no end. And a lot of times it, when it, when there is stress from the board, it's because they don't understand everything that the coach does. All they think they do is the coaching hours on deck and they don't consider, you know, all the other meetings, all the other conversations, just getting caught in the pool, trying to leave at night and get everybody out of the building, lock up. All, I mean, all that stuff is, if you were doing that, you'd be pretty, you'd be pretty upset if your hours were well in excess of, you know, 60 and you're making, you know, a pretty low, what it comes down to an hourly rate. And then, like you said, if you've got to go out and get your own medical, you know, on top of that, I mean, yeah, it's just, um, and they, listen, I'm not trying to say that, um, it's a horrible job because these guys and, and these men and women, they get into this role because they want to be here. They truly want to be here. Now, obviously, there's probably some head coaches or full timers that phone it in. And there's probably even more of the hourly people that it's not their ultimate dream, but they do like to do it and they like to do it on the side. But those head coaches and those head age group coaches and head associate coaches, I mean, they're there because they 
love being there. And I think, you know, we just, we need to get the board to understand the importance of their dedication and time that they actually put in and raise the level of what they're being paid. Yeah. Think about it. If you're, if you're on deck for say four hours a day, right. Mm -hmm. That's just practice time. The coaches are going to get there early, right? Sometimes they're going to, they're going to communicate with potential assistant coaches um, who may just, that may not, like you said, may not be their full-time job. So now, Hey, I got to bring them up to speed. They're coming off of their day of teaching or, you know, maybe whatever else they do. Um, you want to be there for the athletes prior to just cause you're need, you need to be the one in the facility. You're going to engage with those kids as they're walking onto the pool deck, you know, kind of see how their day is. That's that, that interaction time where as a coach, you have that, that, that time to spend communicating with them and, and asking them how their day went. And then, like you said, after practice, it's going to be the same thing. You're, you're engaging with the kids. You're probably engaging with the parents some at that point. Mm. So that that four hours of time just there probably turns into more like five hours, right? And then yeah, that yeah. doesn't take into account that, you know, you're planning it as much as, you know, I think parents and sometimes even the athletes think the planning part does take quite a bit of time. Like as a coach, like if you're, you're trying to consider, you know, where are the kids at, you know, here's where we're at in our training cycle, but you know, you're trying to, to write the best workout you can. And then you've got different types of kids, you know, within the practice. So you're trying to cover all your bases and yeah. there's a lot of time and energy that goes not just into, to writing that out, but actually putting that thought in and, and, you know, kind of understanding where you're at on the season. And then on top of it. Um, you know, like you kind of mentioned, like this is a job then where you're potentially, if you're a board run team, you're you're kind of have you know this group of other people that you have to kind of keep in, in communication with, right? Yeah. And they may have feedback on things. So just the daily stuff is not just okay. I practice from this time to this time. I mean, it yeah. is significant, and then we're not even getting into well, there's meets coming up, and you know, yeah. and, and again, here's the I think the misunderstanding of coach is not just throwing kids in events to throw kids. in yeah. events. Like there's a lot of thought for each kid of like, Hey, I want to see this out of this kid. You know, I want to, you know, maybe we're going to stretch them a little further and put them in events. They normally don't do, you know, to kind of yeah. test them. Like there's a lot more thought that goes into it. There's not a, as random as you think of like, Oh, we're just throwing them in these, these events for this meet. And you're thinking about that meet plus the next meet plus the next meet most likely, you know, yeah. as you do those. So you're always working ahead one, two, three months, you know, and that was one of the things when I was coaching that I always thought like time seemed to go by fast because I was always thinking yeah. two, three months in ahead, if not further, yeah, yeah. right? So you're that like, was me right. project management. I never knew yeah. what month I was in because I was always thinking yep. so far ahead. Yeah. Yep. It's March and I'm already thinking about, you know, what July and August are going to be like. <laughs> right. And That's it's just, right. you're always planning so far ahead. And, the, oh, and what about like the, the, the internal um, meetings and training you have to do. Well, we as an organization, I know not a lot of head coaches do, but we as an organization are really pushing our head coaches to invest in their coaching staff and to quit having so many just silly admin meetings and reduce those and reallocate that meeting time to leveling up all the coaches on your deck, which 
again, means you have to understand where they're at in their coaching space, which is meetings, right? You have to understand where they need to grow, which means you have to spend time with them on deck and what they do know and what they don't know. And then planning out what your training schedule is for your staff. Again, not making excuses. What we're trying to say, if you're a board member listening, is that, yes, it's all part of the job. But what we want you to do is move out of the mindset of, oh, they only work a couple of hours a week or, or a day. And that's not, it's nowhere near the truth, you know, not for your full-time coaches that are as a head coach and probably your head age group coach, which probably does even more planning. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong than the head coach, or it's very different kinds of planning, you know? So I, we just want, want you guys as board members or leadership of your teams to, to consider that. And most of the teams we work with, Renata, right? You're we're we're seeing at least one all coaches meeting like per week, right? I mean that yeah. that's the norm. And then you know maybe they're having some one on one. You know the head coach at least having some one on one meetings and with some of their yeah. their head age group coach or those other people. So then you know that kind of puts it out to where there's there's more than those, and then. Um, you know, maybe once a month they're getting together and doing some sort of group training. And then so there's all that preparation that goes into that stuff. So, I mean, these are weekly meetings and then, you know, that are happening just within the coaching staff and then bigger monthly meetings. And then your coaches, you know, probably reporting into the board, you know, at, at, at probably once a month. So then they're, mm -hmm. you know, they're preparing for, for those meetings. And that, you know, doesn't take into account the the number of emails and phone calls and off-deck conversations yeah. that coaches yeah, have with, even you know, with a mom that. or dad or, or the athletes. Right. There's one other stat that I just kind of want to share that I thought was really interesting to nail at home. And then I want to talk about what boards can do in order to prioritize their budgets um, uh, to offer a nice employment package. So... I went back and did a little um, reverse math on the results that we received. And I looked at just the um, staff that was full-time. And 32% of them do not receive any benefits. And then we have like the, the hodgepodge going in where they may just get um, medical or they may get medical and retirement, you know, and then it gets bigger as it goes. But I was really surprised to see that of the full-time employees, 32% of them um, don't receive any benefits whatsoever. So, and, and like you mentioned earlier, I mean, that's, that's a good monthly chunk of change to the employee. I also recognize it's a good month uh, chunk of change to the organization as well. But, you know, if you're hiring people, those are the things that you should be budgeting to be able to do, whether it's now or two years from now, you got to plan for that to take place. You know? Yeah. This is why a lot of coaches you see, you know, that it's, a, it's appealing when you're young because you're like, yeah. okay, I can do this. I want to, you know, it's fun. And then that, you know, as you get a little older, that realization of, okay, I need, I need that medical benefit, or I need to yeah. start planning for whatever's yeah. going to happen down the road. Um, and, and why I think that you do see a lot of coaches in their, their thirties and forties start, start to leave and, and yeah. pursue other opportunities. Um, it's not yeah. that they don't love it anymore. It's that, you know, life circumstances change and, you know, they're obviously looking out for what's best for them at that point. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you are a club and you want to try to prioritize uh, 
increasing your bucket for um, staff, uh, and I mean your your budget bucket for payroll, salaries, benefits. And I think there's a few things that needs to take place because I like listen. I understand there's quite a few clubs right now that just they feel like they can't do it and they have no money and they are barely making ends meet. But I, from my perspective, um, I think it all comes down to priorities. And I'm not saying that you have to do it tomorrow. Like if you're really tight, then you need to go back and kind of, you know, have a, a conversation about first you got to start with like maybe looking at the survey results on the website and going, okay, we need to bring our staff up a bit in the pay because we're nowhere near what they can get in other clubs, right? So they need to understand um, who's being paid what in their local area and whether or not they're receiving benefits. And then that way you can understand where your shortfall is and how much that shortfall is. And it gives you a target number. Then the next thing that I would recommend that you do is you look at your budget and see if there's areas that you can change your allocation of funds. Like if you've got a really deep pocket, I, I don't know, I don't even know where to pull an example from, but yeah, I don't know, apparel. Let's say you put a lot of money into team apparel. You like them to have all these new, you know, new things. The kids have new things all the time. Well, maybe instead of all the time, instead of every quarter, them getting a new shirt or a new uh, whatever, that you reallocate some of that to go into the bucket so you can build the bucket up for pay. Now that's that apparel is probably a really horrible um, example, but did that, did that point come across correctly? Just reallocating some areas that you're spending money on your budget. Like, do you need to spend that much? Do you need to spend that at all? You know, right, is, right. is it more valuable than paying your coaches? So you get to keep them, you know, so I think that, I think that then comes back to, first of all, again, why are you there? Right. What's, what's the purpose of this of this club and if it's to serve those you know those kids in your community and you want to keep, you know talk about developing those kids well then you have to invest in your coaches right because they're the right. people who are you know not unlike a teacher in, in a school that you know like you're entrusting that those kids are going to go there and not just necessarily become better swimmers that they're going to become you know, or, or build skills that are, they're going to go beyond the pool. So if that's the purpose, then, you know, that's the first, you know, big investment that has to happen out of your example. The second thing I think you have to do is just make sure you have your budget in, in place, right? Like make sure that you are going <laughs> over that true. and that, right. Yeah. That you, yeah. that you are projecting going forward. So this, this yeah. is going to require that you have a good understanding of what the money is coming in, what the money is going out. And like you call it, like the buckets, you know, like put it, you know, if it may not happen this year, right? It may not happen next right. year, but start putting it in a plan to where you can have that bucket for salaries, um, you know, for coaches or hourly pay, whatever that's going to be to, yeah. to make it, you know, make it happen. But you gotta, you gotta start somewhere. And so getting a, a, a good understanding of that and then setting a goal um, and start working towards that goal then. Yeah. I mean, I think like I was talking to a coach the other day that was talking about their annual dinner. The The budget for that is quite massive, right? And it's like, okay, so 
Is there more value there than there is on your coaches? Like there's certain things that I just think you need to like assess and go, could we go a year with a smaller um, banquet, you know, or do we need a banquet this year or can we do something differently? You know, I just think you just need to reassess how you're allocating your funds. And then I think the next area is, you know, the board and the committees and the volunteers, they really need to step up probably in the next year or so in either with themselves or finding people with the right skill set to go for grants, get sponsorships, get uh, corporate partnerships and do some fundraising. And now I would never tell a club that that's the money you need to pay your staff because those come and go. They get bigger, they get smaller. Sometimes you go, you don't get them. So you can't depend on those to pay your staff. But what you can is through that reallocation process is your staff numbers can get a little bit, or sorry, your budget for salary and benefits can get a little bit bigger because you're going to allocate more membership funding for those numbers. And you're going to use your grant money, your fundraising money, your sponsorships and partnerships, all that money can go towards other initiatives. But you still need to do that outside activity of securing those corporate partnerships, those fundraising events. And you need people to be able to do that, which means the board might have to Again, take a really close look of who they have and who they need in order to um, take advantage of those types of um, funding opportunities. So I think, you know, part of this is goes back to, again, what we said, if this is what's important. But this also means that yeah. you're right. As a board, you have to determine, okay, what is our vision? You know, what are we what are we valuing as a club? Why are we here? And then, right, it, it requires other people outside of the coaches then to step up. So if you are a board member, right, you're right. Then everybody needs to be actively playing a part because you you use the example of apparel. Well, you can go out and find a sponsorship, right, to, yeah. to cover your apparel, right? And that'll put a name or a, a business on, on the shirt as well. And I'm sure they'd be more than happy to, but that requires somebody on the board taking on that responsibility and, and then that takes that that cost of then you know then the membership right the dollars for membership or you know they're not going towards things like apparel those those costs yeah. now can can move over and then that pool of money starts to build up to to use it for those you know more fixed costs of salaries or pool rental or stuff that's like right that. so that's right yeah. so my main hope is that um like those of you who are listening, I know you probably feel like it's a, it's a massive uphill to, you probably feel like you're barely making it with the salaries that you're doing now. But I think that again, if your priorities are that you actually want to attract and keep quality staff. And I really think if you have these conversations with your parents, like they're going to, they're going to want to fundraise. They're going to want to do things because they also want to keep their kids coaches. Right. So I think that you know, quite honestly, like what's the alternative? Is high turnover okay? Is a unhappy uh, coaching staff okay? Is having that battle over and over again about what a person feels like they are worth and their value is, is lowballing that okay? 
So I think, again, it does come down to really doing some priority work and understanding where you're trying to get to. Again, we as advisors are not telling you that you have to, I mean, if you've got the money, go for it. But we're not telling you that you got to turn the switch on today. What we're telling you is you've got to start planning today. So in a year or two years, you've got the buckets to be able to offer great benefits, you know, offer some really good incentives and bonus plans and programs that actually helps a coach make a decent salary. So not only do they love their job, but they're rewarded for doing a good job. And that only just, gosh, that would just elevate the team altogether, wouldn't it? You know, they're happy at home and they're happy at their work. So. Well, the most successful teams that we see right over a long period of time typically tend to have coaches that have been there for a long period of time. And that's for a reason, right? And those kids are, you know, it's not just the, it's not just the, the swimmers, then it's the other coaches on that, those teams, like those other coaches are being elevated, right? They're, they're getting better at those things. And, you know, they're more likely to stay as well. If if they're our part-time coach and they're like, Hey, the head coach is happy. They're engaged in what's going on you know, the structure of the team is good. You know, the kids are doing great. Like they're going to want to stay and be a part of it. It's really hard to leave a coaching position when things are going really well, right? You're like, man, it's, it is very, you know, it's a difficult thing to do when you're part of a a group and a community of of people that work hard and have fun and enjoy what they're doing. And they're, and they're well taken care of, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I would like to ask for you to please subscribe, rate and review this podcast so we can reach a bigger audience and help others such as yourself. And don't forget to visit the website, yoursportsresource.com, where you can find a copy of the survey results, but you can find other articles and tools as well. And finally, just remember what is common sense isn't always common practice. Put what you learn into action. Don't just be good. Be good at it. Thanks everybody.